This is Lindsay and Kathy of Kindergarten Kiosk, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of individual hosts. Make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. And now the learning begins in... Three, two, one... Welcome to the Infused Classroom Podcast, where each episode, Tanya Abrith and Holly Clark take you behind the scenes with leaders in education, give you insights into what's happening in classrooms around the globe, and showcase online platforms that are disrupting education. Hello, and welcome to the Infused Classroom Podcast. I'm Holly from San Diego. And I'm Tanya from South Florida. And we have an amazing guest on our show today, someone I met at the Singapore American School when I was there, and his name is Gary Gray, and I'm obsessed with him on Twitter, so I wanted to get a chance to talk about to talk with him. So why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you? Hey, Holly, Tanya, how are you guys doing? I'm so happy to, to be here today with you. Thank you so much for having me on your, on your show. I'm... Uh, Currently teaching at Singapore American School. This is my seventh year teaching international. Uh, I taught three years in Kuwait, and I am Canadian. Woo-hoo! Woo-hoo! Nova Scotia. <laughs> you are both Canadian. Um, okay, go ahead, Tanya. Oh well, it's so got. I'm so excited that I'm meeting you, and I can't believe that I haven't met you before, my fellow Canadian friends. And I, I can't believe that I haven't been following you on Instagram because. I just started stalking your Instagram and it is awesome. So I'm so curious to learn more about the work you're doing about your school and, um, you know, a little bit about your book that you're writing. So can you tell me a little bit about like where you teach and what you are teaching and a little bit about your school? Sure. Um, I teach at a very large international school. Um, Everyone always asks like, well, how big is it? I think, for international schools, it's very big. I know that in America, there's really, really big schools, but there's roughly four, I think there's roughly 4,000 kids at our school. 4,000 kids in an international yeah. school? That is yeah. huge. So we have, I, I teach third. That's normal. Yeah. Well, I, I, think, I, think, I think for our school, I think we're the biggest, but there's, I think after that, they run like 3,000, maybe a little over 3,000. Um, wow. I work in an independent school and there's about 2,000 and I, and it's pretty big. I'm, I teach third grade and there are thir- 13 third grade classes, I think. I didn't realize there's 13 third grade classes. <laughs> How, many How, many, Toledo? How many students in a class? Uh, we each have, we lost a class last year. So we had 14 last year. We're down to 13 this year, and there's 20. This year, I think we had 21 in each class, I think, or 22. Wow, that's amazing. So what? what tell me a little bit about your school. I, I, I kind of have heard that it's pretty interesting space, that, it's, that they're doing some pretty cool stuff. What would you say is pretty unique about your school? Um, I, I think one of the things I like, and this may be because I'm – like 30 I'm 31 so I'm like in that like millennial phase where I like to do a lot of different things at once so one thing everyone talks about our school is that we tend to do a lot um, all at once and some of the things that are really cool about our school right now is that 
They're really big on like inquiry-based learning, um, personalized learning, and flexible learning spaces. Um, so those are like the big three. Um, our schools basically being flipped upside down and they're changing classrooms. They're knocking down walls. They're asking teachers to work together. Um, and I, it's, I think I haven't had the experience yet because it hasn't really run through the third grade level. Um, my wife has gone through it this year on sixth grade. Um, and I've seen it done through the KG. And it looks really cool. Um, it's cool to see kids navigate um, this big learning space, but at the same time find out what's really working for them. And uh, teachers are able to make small groups and really tend to the students' needs based on the space that they're in. So it's, I think for some teachers, it can be a little um, overwhelming, but it, there's a really, there's a lot of really cool things happening um, at our school. I like that. I think it's interesting when the space really forces you to be a bit more disruptive yeah. in your classroom. And, and I think that sometimes you need to have that. You're never, Oh, I don't think you're ever so ready when you've mm-hmm. never taught a certain way to teach the way that you need to be teaching. And I think space is one of those variables that forces you to have to innovate when it's uncomfortable to be traditional. So mm-hmm. I think that that's really interesting. Um, I, I also think it's really interesting that you're going to be moving next year. I am moving or we are moving me and my wife. Yeah. Are <laughs> so, so, so where are you going? What's your next step? So, uh, both me and my wife are going to, uh, the international school of Manila in the Philippines next year. We know that it will be definitely very different just in regard to like country wise. Um, Singapore is, just super efficient and uh, super clean. Uh, you can get anything you want at your doorstep within 20, 30 minutes. Um, you can, yeah, it's, it's, I think about it as being home. Like you just, you can go out, there's lots of trees, there's quiet spaces. Manila will be a little bit different. The city's busy, there's lots of cars, lots of traffic. Um, and it's a developing country. So we will, really get to, um, I think, get our hands a little bit more dirty in Manila. And I think we're excited about that. Change is good. We think change is definitely something that You else. guys clearly like change. I mean, what are the other schools that you've taught at? Yeah, well, this will be our third school. <laughs> right. You were in Kuwait, right? We were in Kuwait for three years before we came to, to Singapore. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It's and for fun. our listeners, Singapore, um, it's probably one of my favorite Asian cities and it's beautiful and rich and has like no crime and Manila is beautiful and um, but not the others. And so it will be very interesting to have that, that um, dichotomy, I guess, of the Mm -hmm. two worlds. And Mm -hmm. it'll really give you a rich understanding of global issues. And I mean, that's exciting. It will. Yeah. And, and that's why I think we were so excited because they are literally like night and day in comparison. They are. Countries, right. Um, and it I, is a tale of two cities. It, it totally is. Um, and we're super excited about that. Super. Excited. Yeah. It will probably take a little getting used to, to be honest, because for of sure. the difference. Right. For like, sure. Yeah, for sure. But um, 
And it brings us to this next thing that I am obsessed with, with the what you are lifting up in the voice, uh, in your own voice and to help other educators. And it's this idea around teaching tolerance. And can you tell us more about that? Because what you're putting on Instagram about this is mind blowing. And it, it is kind of actually just, I never talk about it. It's really a passion for me too. So I love hearing what you're doing. So can you explain? So I, I just finished my master's about a year ago, and my professor uh, during this that time was very open to me doing a project at the end that I was interested in. One of those things I was interested in was just being more culturally responsive, um, talking about social justice in the classroom. And I hadn't really understood like what that would look like, so I went to Twitter, I went to Instagram, and I just tried to kind of seek out people that were kind of already in this kind of field. And like you guys would know, like Twitter is, if you're looking for something on Twitter, um, if you dig enough, you will find it. So I, I messaged a few people and I kind of told them that, hey, this is what I'm interested in. And they sent me tons of information about how to get started. Um, I end up writing a project. Um, for my master's and I was lucky enough to complete it with doing a series of videos that allowed me to share what I knew about being culturally responsive in the classroom that would help educators do the same thing. So I finished those videos and then I started using that in the classroom and then I was introduced to this um, framework through tolerance.org, anti-bias framework that allows educators to think more deeply about social justice um, and then that really opened up this kind of idea of what I felt should be taught um, in the classroom um, and integrated more into the, the work that we're doing through the normal subjects um, in education. So um, one of those are identity. Um, we talk about diversity. We talk about um, action and we talk about justice and this year, I've been able to talk about all four of them very seamlessly through the subjects um, that I'm wow. teaching. Um, and it's been fun. I've been trying to create and come up with ideas to continue to make it engaging for kids. Um, and I've found that hearing them speak the language, um, just talk about um, privilege or talk about mm -hmm. stereotypes or talk about my identity is like those words make me feel very excited knowing that they're going to go off and have that language and be able to to talk about some of those, I guess, um, tough topics that we tend to kind of stray away from when we're talking to kids in the classroom. And you teach third graders, right? I teach third grade. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty impressive for the, you know, for you know, getting those littles to really explore these topics. And mm. I think that's, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's so important. I don't think it's difficult. I think that they're, they're so self-aware and they say the best things and they're so honest and they they're, that's such a great age to teach. I love third grade. It I is. have, a, I, I have a second grader. I mean, I literally own one and, <laughs> <laughs> and he says the best things in the world and he doesn't have the same, he doesn't look at the world in the same way, which is so exciting. Uh, he hasn't been like, programmed to think about people in the way that I think older people 
think about people, if that makes any sense. Well, he also has an open-minded parent and that helps yes, too. Yes, he does. That's definitely, <laughs> it's, I'm, you know, I'm a Canadian in America. I don't know what else uh, to say, you know, like. A Jewish Canadian in America. It's, like, you know, we, we, we're, we're our own, our own breed of Canadians out here as well. I, I, I'm reading a lot. I'm like literally like dying over your Instagram. I love it. And oh, I'm, no, cry. really, I am. No, but I, it's exciting because I just started following you. So now I'm like, looking <laughs> your post. and um, I like what you're saying here about being culturally responsive and how you approach that. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah, I think um, I think sometimes we forget that um, kids have so much. I don't want to call it baggage, but they have so much that they don't know about themselves um, that we as educators can help bring out in them. And then on top of that, we can use it um, as a tool to help kind of drive our, our, our teaching or our practice. Um, so like a very small example of that is having kids um, think about through, through social studies or through reading about like where they're from. Um, and, and I say where they're from in a sense where it's not just one place. It could be four or five different, different places um, and then on top of that, having them understand like or having them decide when someone asks them where are they from to choose. If I want to choose that I'm from America today, then I can be from America today. If I want to choose that I'm from Korea today, then I can be from Korea today. Um, and that's a very mm-hmm. small example. But I think it's important that kids are able to navigate that because um, as they get older, they're going to be asked questions. Um, international schools are full of kids that have um, mixed race parents. Um, and a lot of these kids are going to be going off to university and a lot of these universities aren't going to have people that look like them there. Um, and they're going to have questions asked to them. They're going to be, people are going to be curious about them. Um, and I feel like they need to be ready to respond if they want to. Um, or simply not respond, um, and be able to navigate, that conversation in a way that is respectful, um, um, but at the same time being continuing to be proud of who they are because the as much as I believe in the world, it can also be a, a, a little bit of a nasty place sometimes. Um, so I think why not try to prepare them for that now? Um, and then hopefully as they get older, they get more comfortable. But as we learn to respect our own identity, we then have a comfort with ourselves that allows us to be comfortable with other. And I think that's really important. I live in a country that's um, regressing, quite frankly. I mean, yesterday in my town, we had a shooting at a synagogue. Like we're, we're regressing. And so I think that this kind of work in schools is more important than probably most things that we're doing. Um, and so I, I, I'm obsessed with your stuff because I think it needs to be shared. So I just personally want to say thank you. Um, and I, and I'm super happy you're writing a book and I hope that you'll like continue to share your lessons and I hope people will look at it because if we don't do this kind of work in schools, especially, I know it's international that you're at, but my country needs it badly. (laughs) We're not, we're, we're not doing it. It's one of those things. I, I feel like 
the, the bubbles, you know, like you build your tribe of people. Um, I'm in a space right now where I have, I'm, I'm talking consistently about these conversations. Um, and it's, I don't think they're happening enough. There's educators that know and believe it, but I do think there's this sense of how, like, how do I do it? There's mm-hmm. educators that want to do it, but they just don't know how. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that is, for I sure. That's totally fine. And that's okay. But what do you, how do you get started? And I think it starts personally. And I think I did this myself. It's just like, honestly, looking yourself in the mirror first, understanding your own stereotypes, your own biases, your own privileges, and then being able to talk to kids about those experiences. Um, And that, that itself will allow kids to open up a little bit more, understand themselves a little bit more, and then leading into any of those other conversations that you have in the classroom. It always amazes me how uncomfortable these conversations are for people to have. You know, when you start talking about your own privilege, people don't want to admit their own privilege. Of course. And they don't. And and it makes it makes people very quiet and uncomfortable when you point out injustices. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt that way when I moved here to Florida. I couldn't understand like how schools were rated and what that even meant. And and when you start looking and digging deeper, like where and you know the privilege lies is where the A schools are are you know and like how do you not see that? And I remember moving here and, and looking and they you know it was broadcast on the websites of the school districts and I was like is anyone else been angry by this this is ridiculous like you know and 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 it just you know it has so much to do with socioeconomics and race and there's so many elements that are tied into it and it makes people so uncomfortable to have those conversations and there's such important conversations so that we're having so that we can address them so that we can you know have a real honest talk about our privilege and, and, and I don't know, I'm still sort of reeling with it as well and trying to figure out how I can help or, you know, what, what can I do to, to, to not be just part of the problem. And I I think it's just, just that what you're saying is like, use understanding that you have it and then, talking about it like talking about I think people forget the conversations can really help lead to like positivity and understanding um but we just don't have the conversation because the same reasons that you just mentioned like we are so afraid to be called a racist or right um, not understanding or just not like like there's so many different words for for people and we don't want to be called them so we just don't say anything at all which is not helping us. <laughs> I am, um, because I'm very good friends with someone who's very into this, Ken Shelton, and he sends me books and podcasts and he'll buy me books on, on Amazon. And I recently read White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo. And she said something really important in that book. And I think it's a book every educator, every human should read. But And it's about your own white fragility and how you need to get over yourself uh, and really look at your white privilege. But she said that people don't like the word racist because it's bifurcated. It means if you're racist, you're bad. And so therefore, we I'm not bad, so I can't be racist. And after reading the book, I really – I took a moment because um, I'm white. I come from some stuff. I got some stuff in my background that's racist. Like I have some – grandparents who might have said a few things about a few things, you know, 
And um, I, I wrote a little kind of essay on, although I work hard every day and I do the best I can and I give every kid an opportunity, I am racist. I was born into a white uh, family that, that has that. And I work hard not to, to look through those lenses, but I, but I am. And I think that more people need to be okay with saying that. That's a really hard thing for me to say, like to put that out there. And I don't think I'm racist, but I'm, I'm saying to the world, there are things in the back of my mind that I grew up with that put a different lens on what I see. Right. You have a bias that's built in. And I work hard. Yes, I work hard not to have it, but it's there. And I think when people can say that and be okay and comfortable with that, we'll get somewhere. But until that, everyone's walking around saying, not me, not me. But my, my, my schools and my country are being shot up. My synagogues, people at churches are being killed because not me, not me, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I, Holly, I, I 100% agree with you. Again, it, it's, it, it's, it, people say it's just, just, it's, 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 it's so difficult. And I think it's, if, it's going to be very difficult if you, if we consistently are afraid to have the conversation. Um, and, and again, it, if, we can't do it with um, our adults and our peers. There's no way we're going to be able to do it with kids in our classroom. So um, I think it, I, I agree with you 110%. I do. I do. What do you think it would be your advice to educators? Um, like how do you become six more successful at those conversations? Like you said to just start, but what, what would that look like when a teacher is, I don't know what what advice would you give to teachers who are trying to 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 be open to the conversations in their classes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a, a funny question because I always um, and it may sound weird, but it's like Google. Like Google is <laughs> and a, a book. It's a book. Like and it, it may sound silly, but we as people, as humans can find everything. If you want to be able to cook an egg, you want to be able to build a house, you can find that information. Um, You don't need special tools. You don't need anything outside of the box to, to get the training. You don't, you don't, you don't need those things. I think sometimes we have this idea that, um, we we can't do it because we don't have it or we can't find it. Um, you can find it if you if you truly want to know how it's done or how to start the conversation. You you can definitely you can dig and you can find it um, if you really want to. If I was to suggest something, I would I would definitely suggest starting with tolerance.org because they do a great job of kind of laying a framework for you. Um, but don't enable yourself knowing that you are more than willing to, to, to put in something on Google, on YouTube to, to find information. And I just want to, um, as a white person who's trying to make that journey, um, I just want to, uh, say some things that I have found, um, via Google, uh, there's a podcast called we talk different. That is like mind blowing to me. I love it. Um, I like code switch. Um, 
which is also a podcast. I recently read White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo. I read, um, and I had to pull it up because, and it started to go, but uh, Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race. Really, really, um, and, you know, and these are just books and things I found on Google. And, and in my, I need to, this journey needs to be continuous. It isn't, I'm going to read White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo and I'm going to be cool. Like I, I've got a lot of white privilege that I have to come to terms with. And, and I want to teach kids. Um, I don't want to teach them that. That's my own journey. I just want to teach them open-mindedness. We, we forget sometimes that as educators, and I think sometimes parents, if they're not sure and if you don't say it to them, they think that you are kind of sharing your beliefs on the kids. And that's not the case at all. It's exactly what you said, Holly. It's like you're teaching them or you're guiding a discussion um, around those concepts and you're letting them ultimately decide how they feel about certain situations, how they feel about certain words, um, certain things that have happened in the past. You are there to facilitate um, and guided discussion. Um, your opinions are literally left at the door because it's not your place to kind of give your opinions to kids and then ask them to, to, to agree with you or side with you. That's not what educators do. So um, I totally agree with you, Holly. So what I'm doing with reading those books is on me, but at the, at the school level, I want to teach a love of learning so that they can find the stuff, that literacy of learning, I want to expose them to all different types of experiences and people so that they will be comfortable. Um, and that that's important, I think. Um, and that's why I look at what you're doing and I have passed some of the stuff that you've done on Instagram onto teachers that I know who are trying to talk about identity in the classroom. You're too kind. You're doing great stuff and you're doing the work. I, honestly, I can't do. There's too much stigma around. Um, it's just something I can't do right now. It may be someday. Uh, we want to thank you for your time. It's very late in Singapore. So, so, and you have to teach tomorrow. And we want to thank you um, so much for this and tell the kids tomorrow when you're grumpy, we're so sorry. No, I'm kidding. You'll, <laughs> you'll never be grumpy. It was, and it's so great getting to meet you and uh, to, I'll definitely be following you on Instagram. How else can people get in touch with you? I'm starting to like Twitter more than I like Instagram a little bit. I saw I, your post, by the way, like, I which are know. you using? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm also in this kind of YouTube phase. So I've been doing YouTube for a little over a month now. I've been trying to do daily vlogs um, yes. about yes. education and about travel, about just things that I'm doing in life. Um, I've been doing it daily for about a month and it's, has not been easy, but um, I've have been doing it. So you can also find me on YouTube uh, with the same handle, Gary uh, R. Gray Jr. I'll be going there right away. Um, we we thank <laughs> you, and we hope we hope that maybe um, we can find a better time that's not so late for you to maybe talk more about how teachers where they can start with tolerance education. Um, some you know get more into it because I I think this to me is front and center um, so thank you for your time and we are so honored to have had you thank you thank you 
Thank you for listening to the Infused Classroom podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or anywhere you get podcasts. Keep up with the conversation by using the hashtag Infused Classroom on Twitter and Instagram. And make sure to check out InfusedClassroom.com. See you next time.